we've got the podcast to roll, and this is probably our first official guest, uh, Mr. Jonathan Locklear. So it's good to have you on uh, to what we would like to call cross-training. Um, Very good. I'm thrilled to be here. Good to be with you guys. So Jonathan Locklear, he's the associate pastor at Woodhaven, uh, Michigan. Uh, not sure exactly where that's at. Uh, I've been Just to south of twice. Detroit, about 17 miles. Okay, so where's that on the hand? Um, you're going to go... Um, right down here somewhere at the base of the thumb, I guess, if it's your left hand backwards. Okay. So this means nothing to me, but the people of Michigan that knows anything about Michigan. Yeah, there you go. Come visit. That's how we do it. We just point to the hand. So he, uh, Jonathan Lockler, he studied, he studied pastoral leadership at, uh, Fruit Baptist Bible College, which is now Welch College, which is in Gallatin, I think. Right. So they moved from Tennessee. Nashville Mm -hmm. to Gallatin. And he's also the chaplain of the local police department in Woodhaven. So he's, um, Allowing kingdom work going from uh, local ministry to uh, going to transcending to the police force and helping in the best way he can. So, uh, first off, tell, tell you a little bit more about yourself, Jonathan. Um, well, just uh, I'm a preacher of the gospel, and um, that's what I love to do. It's what I have a passion to do. Um, it's just uh, the power of the Bible uh, to transform lives. I really believe that all of the makings for a good life they lie between the pages of the Bible, and so that's where my uh, my thrust is, um, and I wanted to do, as you said, from the pulpit and then also at a street level um, in the organization of the local police department and to minister to those guys as officers and then also um, have a bit of an insight as to where uh, the gospel is needed in, the, in, in our community because that's what the police do is they meet people on, in bad places mm-hmm. in, in rough times. And so uh, it's been a real joy. I've been part of the police department there for five years, and um, we just have a wonderful police department and uh, great camaraderie, great brotherhood there, and uh, it's an honor to do that. Um, of course, my first loyalty is to my wife and to my two sons. One is born, uh, Ricky, he's five, and one is unborn, and he's on the way. How many uh, weeks? Um, he, he will, the due date's here in May, so we've got about maybe seven more weeks, okay. And uh, but we're really, really excited about it. As long as it's not happening in church. I was kind of looking at the time frame of exactly, you know, if it gets a little... Uh, Holy Spirit gets a rolling out. We don't want to be having a baby inside the church. No, I, if you can, if you can avoid it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but we're hopefully trying to do do a good thing. Well, I know a couple of years ago there was a baptism, and someone had a heart attack during the baptism. I believe it was the individual's mother, grandmother. Do you remember that? I don't remember the relation. But yeah, there was a heart attack. Someone, someone, no cardiac arrest. It was cardiac suicide, so CPR, everything, the whole thing. So. Medical-wise, I'm, I'm not sure if this is the place to be. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, we, hopefully, we're far enough out to where we're, we're going to be safe. We're heading okay. home tomorrow. Good. So okay. Hope I can get her home. and you know, I make it to deliver that baby after all. You might. Well, you know, you see all these videos of uh, people or of husbands delivering their own wife's babies in the <laughs> next seat of the car. I'm sure Ricky would be freaking, <laughs> freaking out. Oh, I don't think he'd ever forget it. Either that or he'd go catatonic and never remember sure. it. So. One or the other. <laughs> I would probably go catatonic and just sit there <laughs> and not remember anything. Just okay. Um, so let's get to the personal testimony. Matthew, you want to start off with some uh, questions? So this is kind of, I guess, basically a interview. You know, we sure. we've known you for quite a while. You've uh, uh, preached at the uh, uh, Upper Cumberland Youth Camp for a couple years in the past. Yeah, several years in a row several there. Row. Yeah, it was really really good. Yeah, and. I think one reason why I think that we kind of had you back a couple of times was that you made you made such a good connection, and it's like why would we lose that connection when it seems like every time when you get a new preacher in there every every year that you got to rebuild that up, right? And, and that's so, difficult. That's difficult for the preacher, you know, and also for the students. Um, yeah, 
See, yeah, but I just really, really have appreciated getting to know you guys there and what a great camp you guys have. And that really is due to, you know, to the workers, just mm-hmm. tremendous worship and such a great focus on uh, just God-centered, God-honoring uh, behavior. And everything done there is, you know, is to lift the Lord high. And so that's why it's such a great place to be. Awesome. I mean, you're preaching to the choir. Love the place so much I got married there. You did. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't have a lot of regrets in my life. One of them is not coming to your wedding. I mean... Th- I understand. Good. I'm glad you understand. I just want to tell you. <laughs> Could have had a tablet thrown on a bench, just scoffing in. Because right. Lord knows you can get service out well, there. I've got no excuse. I was working, and I could have taken off, but I was, I was broke at the time, so I had to work. Well, Tanner, you can't be saying tooken on this podcast. Dude, we're cousins, man, so we, we've got plenty of excuses. All right. Uh, before I ask a question to you, Jonathan, I would like to brag on you for, for a quick moment. Okay, uh, don't make, don't I'll try not to do that quick too much. Moment, yeah. <laughs> quick moment. Uh, I believe it was in last night's sermon. You were, uh, you were talking about being steeped in prayer and how your your mind kind of wanders, thinking about, oh, I should get an oil change. And you gave two other examples that I can't yes. quite remember off the top of my head. And you said, get into the Word. Yes. And then you'll have something to meditate on. Yes. And I, I decided, you know what? Let, let's try that. It's It's been a hot minute since I've, um, like, first thing in the morning expressly, like, focused on reading the word before I prayed because I mean prayer in the morning yeah that, that, that's normal but I'm pretty guilty of not always getting the word out first thing because I mean pretty groggy at 4 40 a.m. sure uh, but I, I I believe I just went to Proverbs chapter 1 I read about half of that and I believe Psalms uh, 15 mm-hmm. or talked about uh, this is what a man in the Lord's will is going to be like and just describe like some simple mm-hmm. characteristics of uh, man in the center of the Lord's will and it just I mean it got me through the day man I'm yes. not gonna lie like I just I had an extra bit of something and yeah. it might have been my anticipation for this not gonna lie but I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to attribute it to, to staying in the word that uh this morning it, it really helped on thank you for those for a little tidbit like that because that seems like one of those things that's obvious like when you hear like well of course I should read the word before I pray in the morning but it, I don't know it does because our minds are carnal, right? And so, you know, we, we, we come from broken places internally. Yeah. And so it's just so natural to have your mind wander um, and to be attracted to so many other unimportant things. And, but if you start with the scripture, even if you just go there, like you may have just opened your Bible, Proverbs 1 and Psalm 15, and even if it's a random thing, at least you give your mind something to chew on. And at the, and at the very least, you can, you can say, uh, you know, hey, Psalm 15. Uh, thank you, Lord, for these things. Make me, Lord, these things. Lead me in this way. It gives you something to chew on as opposed to trying to make up this conversation out of thin air. Yeah. Right? And so the scriptures are a great place to start. Yeah. I, I always encourage that. And I didn't come up with that. I got that from George Mueller. <clears throat> George Mueller, the great preacher. He was a, a great father of orphans. Um, and he's known for having this incredible prayer life. And he used to get up for or so in the morning. He'd pray for two or three hours before breakfast. He said, as soon as I got my shirt on, I would start praying. He said, but I noticed that if I would instead halt praying and go to the scriptures first, the prayers were so much richer and deeper, and they had so much more substance and less repetition, less, um, less, you know, fluff. And so he said that, that then he said, and then the Lord began to answer his prayers because, um, he's praying biblical stuff. He's praying the Bible and he was, he was convicted to not pray his own heart's desires, but he began to pray the desires of the Lord. And it's just very powerful when you can, in your prayer, say, Lord, do this. Lord, I pray this. I pray this according to your word. As opposed to, I really want you to do this. Mm-hmm. But if you can say, Lord, this is in your will. This is who you are. This is what you love. 
and I pray this for, for my wife today or for my church today or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that what you're here currently uh, preaching revival, and um, one of the things that we kind of focus around this podcast is, uh, you know, in Second Timothy, you know, it says that all scripture is given by inspiration of yes. God. And then in, later on in Psalm chapter 51, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew that right spirit within me, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And I think part of revival is to get rid of all the junk and to allow God to restore you. And I think one of the best ways that you can truly understand what it truly means to get the blueprint of restoration is through seeping yourself into Scripture. And Scripture is vital. Yes. Uh, you know, you can turn TBN, TBN on and watch TV just all day long, but yet if that's, if, if that's all you're listening to, you know, what's to say that they're actually telling the truth? If you want the truth, is to get into the Word and to get that's what exactly God right. says. Yeah. So Think of it like this. God's never done anything that He hasn't done through His Word. Yes. Creation came from His mouth. Mm-hmm. He spoke the world Star into... Breather. That's right. And then Christ came. And what was Christ's name? John chapter the 1. Word. In the beginning was the Word. That's exactly right. Um, and by the way, when He comes back, Revelation says, there will come from His mouth a sharp sword. Judgment will come from His, from his Word. It's like, well, do you want God to do something in your life? Well, yes. Well, how does God do things? He does it through the Word. It's power. Yes, it it's is. Power. Um, and uh, so we'll get into the kind of a little testimony. And can I ask you some, a few questions? Because me and Matthew are young fellas, and uh, we want to learn all we can about the Lord. We love the Lord so much, and it's like we want to understand everything. And if it means asking someone of a, that's been in it a little bit longer, a little bit more mature than us, then... What, what's the, we should ask those questions sure. and try to learn from that. Uh, so, Matthew, you want to ask a few questions? Yeah, sure. What impacted you the most in your faith and walk with Jesus? Um, I would say it was the personal connection the Lord spoke to me. Um, it wasn't anybody expecting anything from me. It wasn't any great talent that I had. But as I began to walk with the Lord, especially in my young high school years, freshman, sophomore year, and the Lord was so real, and He was counting on me, Mm -hmm. and He was in control, and He was going to gift me and talent me with everything I needed to serve Him, and it didn't rest or rely on anybody else. I think the most powerful thing for me is that the God of all the universe, I wasn't making a connection with Him. He was making a connection with me. He's the one calling me to preach as a 15-year-old kid. And that was, to me, powerful in a very different way than sports or girls or um, popularity of friends or scholastics, uh, any of the other things that might, you know, uh, really grab a young guy. But man, just that the Lord was, he was, it's like he was setting aside a place for me in this universe, um, and I could either take it or not take it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I wanted just to be I wanted just to be everything that God wanted me to be. And I really did think the day that the, that the Lord called me to preach uh, it was January 23rd. We were at a youth retreat, a weekend retreat. We were watching some video about this girl that died in the Columbine, Colorado shooting. Mm-hmm. And her dad had made a video, uh, and uh, she was a marvelous girl, and, and it was just, but I mean, to be honest, it, it wasn't like awesome. It wasn't like super intriguing. It was more like a time filler before lunch at this retreat. And uh, weather was bad, and so we were watching a movie. And man, I'm telling you, the Lord just spoke to me, and he just simply said, preach. 
And I, I swear to you, I thought everybody else in the room heard it too. Um, it just it just blew my mind. Um, I, of course, went all the pieces. And so the thing that impacted me the most spiritually, uh, now I, I believe I was saved at eight years old, but I never was really serious about the things of the Lord until until I was 14 or 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And then the Lord said uh, that I would be was going to be a preacher. Now, let me ask you a question on this since there's, we got Mason Simmons in the background there doing his calculus or whatever, but he's been called to preach, uh, and I've been called to preach as well. And uh, Matthew, maybe has that gone upon you yet or not? I don't know. Uh, but when you talk about that, I think automatically to Revelation chapter 3 where Jesus is saying, you know, I stand at the door and knock. And when my first experience at Haiti, the Lord did call me to preach. In Haiti? In Haiti, At yes. the Mountain Faith Missions? Mountain Faith Missions, yes. Which I recommend you, if you're listening to this, I would awesome. totally recommend you go. people go to Mountain Faith Missions. Uh, wonderful, godly place. Good, godly people that want to serve the Lord in, in a poverty-stricken area. But the Lord called me to preach uh, there, and uh, it, I struggled with it for, for quite a while. And uh, I remember distinctly that the Spirit spoke to me and said, you better answer the call to preach or I'm going to walk away from that door. I'm going to stop knocking and use, use someone else. Now, do you think that is accurate or do you think that, you know, when it comes to certain callings, which do you think that the Lord may say, okay, if you're going to repetitively uh, ignore that knock or that doorbell, uh, do you think there will eventually become a time where it's like, well, if you're not going to be used, I'm going to walk away? I do. I do. I see that in the character of God. I see it as a great grace that the Lord would speak to you or I at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's in the scriptures. I see in the scriptures where it says, seek the Lord today while he may be found, as though there is uh, a day in which he will not be found. Um, I also think that God will not be mocked. He'll not be you know, made fun of or made light of. Um, I, think there is, I think there is a time where the Lord will say, you've rejected me. That's okay. And... Uh, um, you don't want to be part with me, then you don't have to be. I mean, that is nowhere in the scripture where the Lord over, overwhelmingly overpowers a person and says, you will be whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's very gentle. It's very, it's a calm, behold, I stand at the door and knock. You right. don't answer the door, I'm not going to come in. I can't come in. This is the only thing in the universe that God cannot do is uh, manipulate the free will of a person. That's the great gift of his love that he would allow us to choose. Mm-hmm. Well, going back to kind of your testimony there, uh, you mentioned a retreat. Um, beyond that, are there any particular individuals or events that influenced your faith uh, growing up? Yeah, my father, um, mm. Rick Locklear, passed away uh, almost three years ago, be three years this month. And um, he was the epitome of what a godly man ought to be. He was meek. He was humble. He was ferocious. Um he loved the scriptures. He was not the greatest preacher that I ever met. Um, but I don't know anyone that loved to preach more than him. Mm. And uh, he was just exceedingly talented. Um, he was incredibly, incredibly humble. And that was able to you know, be played out in front of me. And what a great gift you know, from God that that was for a young man like me to, to look and go, oh, this is how it's supposed to look. This is how this is supposed to happen. And that helped me. That helped me. Um, you know, Dad was 57 when he passed away, and uh, you know, so we had Dad all those years, and that was wonderful. But I can, you know, now I'm able to work with my grandfather in our church. Lloyd Lockler is a senior pastor, and I'm glad to be his assistant. And my job is to make his life easy, and uh, just you know, one of a kind. There's not another one like him. 
But those two men, I would say, have impacted me more for the gospel of Christ than than anyone else. And I just am, I'm just, you know, I'm like a fish, you know, in water as far as, you know, does a fish know he's wet? You know, that's how blessed I am. You know, I'm so steeped in the blessings of God in terms of great godly examples. Because I, mean, I could tell you about my mother, and I can tell you about, you know, guys from the Upper Cumberland Youth Camp, and I could talk to you just, you know, ad, ad nauseum about these these men and women that I'm very, very grateful for. But I would say at the top of that list would have to be my dad. Mm. They're job. just uh, nobody else quite like him. I never did have the chance to meet him. You will. Well, yeah, wow. <laughs> true, true. What did Jesus juke me? You know, my dad's real good at that. You know, he, he Jesus jukes me all the time. And I know Matthew You call it a Jesus me. juke? Jesus juke. You, you never heard, heard of the Jesus juke? Never. It's basically like, let me give you a little spirit. Oh, yeah, you try Guys, to, that's the name of your podcast right now. Jesus You've got to retitle it. I mean, hey, it hasn't officially launched yet, so it's not too late. <laughs> but by the time that whoever's listening to this probably will. Mm. Um, uh, Matthew wrote this question down. I thought this was kind of cool. But if you could recommend any scripture to the world to hear, like an Amber Alert, which I hate those things. Uh, but it's but it's very important. It can be sometimes irritating when you get those alerts, but yet it is very important because there is something that is need to be searched for, uh, such as a lost child. Uh, but what would your alert be to the world, and why would it be that? The entire Bible. The oh, entire Jesus Bible. Ju- Jesus Juke. He's already get it down. I, I really, I really am <laughs> you know sincere in that. Yes. Um, there's not a scripture that doesn't need to be proclaimed to the whole world. Mm. Um, but it would probably be, if you had to choose a verse, it would probably be either John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That is just the majesty of the gospel, that sacrifice has been made because God loves you. Why does God love me? That's that's a good question because we don't know. He has chosen to, and if you will but receive this invitation, you will not perish but have everlasting life. Or Romans maybe 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. I think the world has got to know that. I think they've got to know that God loves them, that this internal mechanism that tells them they are guilty. I mean, because we have this. We have this. I've invited countless people to church, and I have countlessly received this, well, if I came to your church, the, the roof would fall in on my head, you know, because they're that bad of a sinner. We know. It's like we know that we're wrong. Except in Christ, all of that is washed away, and it's... It is more than you can imagine. It's more than you can understand or fathom. However, it is the absolute truth. And so I would say an amber alert to the world would be some of the simplest scriptures that we could, that we could pick from the word of the Lord mm-hmm. about his love and saving grace. In which, you know, with, with an amber alert, you know, it's a, a message, you know, a, to get people's attention and to look, okay, there's something that's going on. Um, you know, and with the whole, the whole Bible itself from Genesis to Revelation is just one, uh, narrative timeline of, uh, Jesus coming to reign as King. And you see it all the way in Genesis chapter three, where it says that, uh, you know, you may have, the, the woman will have enmity upon you and you may bite the heel, but he will crush your head That's talking right. to the serpent and yes. talking to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you see this climax all the way you see prophecies being told of jesus coming and and you see all these jesus types within the old testament and then finally the messiah comes and defeats death upon the cross and accomplishes and defeats death in the grave when he rose again on the third day and so would you say that this 
whole, quite complex story mm-hmm. can be so simple that even uh, someone that may have a difficulty time reading scripture still obtain. Absolutely. Yes. I think the scripture, I don't know who, quote, who, who, who coined the phrase, but the scripture is um, shallow enough for a child to play in and deep enough to drown a whale. Mm-hmm. Who was that? I have no idea. Luther or Spurgeon or whatever. One of those smart men that are smarter than me. Yes, yeah. and that, that's exactly it. And that's why when you say, what should we tell the whole world if we could only tell them one verse, I think it should be a simple verse. I think it should be something incredibly, you're wrong, he's right. You're full of hate, he's full of love. He's decided to do this thing, you know, in, in terms of, you know, the elementary school, you know, he likes you, do you like him? Circle yes or no. That really is the truth of the gospel. Yeah. Jesus loves you. Do you love him? Mm, yeah. Check one of these boxes. And that really is simple. There's not a third option or a fourth option. It's, it's, it's either I will respond or I will not. That's kind of going back to uh, Jesus standing at the door and knocking. You made your choice by not responding. You know, by not responding to the door, by being knocked. I mean, you're basically denying Christ. Yes. And so we've got a choice, yes or no. Mm-hmm. And that goes back, and I, I was reading some of uh N.T. Wright, he says, you know, skepticism in itself is still denial. Yes. It's, it's not neutral. And so when the world is so soaked in skepticism of Christianity, is G, is, was Jesus really the Son of God? Did he really die on the cross uh, for our sins? Did he actually rise again on the third day? Skepticism can be very dangerous to the point where it is denial of the truth. Yes, um, you're exactly right. And can you see... Uh, some of these skepticisms seep into the church today. Even though, I mean, the church as a whole, I believe, is doing phenomenal work and the kingdom is growing. But within, I would say, the Western church, do you, could you see skepticism rising into the church? Oh, absolutely. I don't know exactly what to attribute that to mm. specifically. Um, probably, you know, the public education system or definitely at a collegiate level has a great deal to do with that. Um, but yes, it's this, you know, if I can't understand every nook and cranny of it, I'm going to throw the whole thing out. Even though all of the, you know, uh, the evidence is there. You know, all of the evidence is uh, clearly there to be seen, right? The historical evidence, the uh, scientific evidence, um, these laws that we have of, of nature and science that, um, that we know are laws. Mm-hmm. And yet somehow the universe is here, yeah. Right. We know that matter cannot come from nothing, yet we have matter. Okay, well, that answers the question. There had to be something. We know that life cannot come from non-life, yet there is life. Okay, so scientifically, if we're going to be scientific, which is just a simple process of testing and observation, we must conclude that life begat the life that we have, that it didn't happen on accident. You can't get order from chaos. And so this Big Bang nonsense where things exploded and somehow we have order. And this is coming from, quote unquote, scientists who, I mean, just those three things I just mentioned. That's not scientific, right? Where'd the matter come from? Ah, we don't know. Well, if we're going to abide by the laws of thermodynamics and laws of science, you Mm -hmm. have to say that matter came from something, right? Mm -hmm. Life came from something. Order came from order. And so I think all the evidence is right there. Um, and I think part of this is a spiritual war where many women are blinded by the evil one. Mm-hmm. And then think in terms of Jesus, he would say, they that have ears, let them hear. They that have eyes, let them see. Yeah, it is a shame that so many people 
decide to take all of that like scientific knowledge and that ability to observe and do like your experiences experiences experiments uh, when they could focus that on just appreciating God's creation I mean because the greatest scientist that ever lived uh, well live you know what I mean uh, just the thoroughness of the construction of everything that we know like I mean that's it's beyond fathoming like simple as that I mean like we were talking about earlier, speaking it in a creation, like that's unheard of. That's insane. So rather than observing that and discussing that with fellow believers, they, they take, I don't know if you could call it the easy way out, because I mean, it does take effort to get these weird made up answers here. But it, it just feels like a lot of brain power gets wasted there, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that, that glory that, that God's being deprived of. Like, You're exactly sad. right. It's sad. When that energy should be used in just appreciation yeah. of the gift that was given. Which, and that's, that just speaks even more to just how graceful God is. I mean, he gave mm-hmm. us the ability yes. to reason. He gave us the ability to, to think on levels that I can't even imagine. These people with like PhDs on top of PhDs, I mean, they're smarter than me, obviously. And yet God gives them the freedom to take all that knowledge and throw it away more or less. Well, and deny his name with it. Exactly. I'm like, going to rationalize with the rationale that God has given me that God is not rational. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the sheer... What an insult is that? Yeah, I mean, and such mercy. Like that, uh, it gives you something to ponder on. Indeed. And it boils down to where I think a lot of it, the, the human pridefulness is that they don't want to have someone over them, such as a almighty creator. Sure. Uh, and a lot of this, this, our topic, if you want to say the podcast, is over unity. So this, has, this is completely apologetics, and this will be, in the future, we'll do, uh, we'll do series over apologetics. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important because there is a need to defend the faith. And the best way, this is my segment into uh, unity, is that uh, to one of the best visual aids as a defense for the church and as a defense for Christ is by what the world sees. Mm-hmm. And if unity is a key ingredient to the body of Christ yes. and there is disunity, then that's a poor defense. Right. As a horrible defense for the for the name of Christ. Right. So uh, we'll take a break, and we'll get right into the topic of unity.